Good to see you. Welcome to church and welcome to allergy season. 20 years in uh, Tucson, the only way I can tell the difference between allergies and a cold is a month later, you still have the allergies. And a cold in like three days, you feel better. So hold on. My first, my first day on the job. There we go. All right. All right, there you go. If that doesn't set up prayer time, nothing does. All right, let's get uh, prayed up in today after church. It's Bosa Donuts. I don't think James mentioned that, but uh, if you get nothing out of the rest of this part because you're, you know, fall asleep, not that that could ever happen. The donuts will be worth your time. But I think you're going to like what we talk about today. Let's get prayed up. Heavenly Father, we've got some stuff going on. Would you meet us in this place? Would you speak our language? And would you bless us this morning with a sense of your presence? It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Everybody said, amen. All right. Last time I checked, the Yankees were up 4-1, so uh, we can all focus. There's an old saying, because I'm old uh, this week, much to my kids' enjoyment, well, I have a seven-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 14-year-old walk into the bank. Some lady I barely recognize who works there said, hey, how's that new grandbaby? <laughs> I'm not speechless that often, but man, she got me. Wasn't expecting that on a Tuesday or whatever it was. So then I had to call my wife and report in because there's few things she enjoys more. She enjoys people falling down unexpectedly and randomly people calling me grandpa. So, uh, so I had to report right in. There's an old saying that says, when you're stuck, do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. Make your corner of the world better. When you don't know what to do, just do the next right thing. Because we can get overwhelmed. And I find that I believe that. Big picture, I believe that. But I know, I know a couple of your details. I know that you have something right now that doesn't show that to be true in the short term. At work, at home, in a relationship, somewhere, at school, somewhere, you are consistently doing the next right thing, not with perfection, but, you know, pretty good. And it, you're dealing with, a, with an individual or a group that is genuinely causing you heartache and grief. I get to go talk to a lawyer this week. I don't think I've ever gone to talk to a lawyer before. The kid cracked into me in my car and totaled it. I had it for 21 hours. I don't know how it works in your family, but here's how it works in my family. Dad's car is not a financial priority, if you know what I'm saying. The big minivan, the living room on wheels, oh, sure, we shell out for that. That's called mommy's car. And then dad's car on my side of the garage. So uh, my dad was Jewish, so we have to pay cash for the car. So that already limits what we're going to be doing. And then, uh, then it has to be in the garage. So I've got the Christmas decorations and then the kids' bikes. And then it's room for my car. So I've got room for something bigger than a tricycle but smaller than a real car. So I've been looking for three years to replace my old car. Finally, a month ago, I found something. Go pay, pay cash, get it all signed up with insurance, go get it all tagged. 21 hours later, a kid claims he's asleep. You're 22 years old, it's 2.30 in the afternoon. You're not asleep, you're on your phone, but either way. And he cracked into me and totaled the car. And I can't get his, his insurance to talk to me. I can't get my car back from being fixed. So Tuesday, I go talk to a lawyer. I, I don't think I've ever had to go talk to a lawyer. I didn't do anything wrong. I did everything I meant to do. I was just sitting at a light waiting for it to go. 
I'm all excited. It's a stick shift. I'm ready. Crack. And now my back is killing me. At my age, you can't crash into me at 40 miles an hour. Let's give Toyota credit that they made a good car. But you have examples where you've done everything that you intended to do. You did the right thing. You didn't do anything wrong. And you have someone who's causing you grief or a group that's causing you grief. We're going to talk about that today. This way. We're going to talk about that today. So we've got, this is just a couple weeks after Jesus died on the cross, was alive again, a real shock to everybody, then spent 40 days here, then he goes up to heaven, the angels come along and say to his friends, what are you staring into the sky for? Well, because Jesus just went up there, we don't know what to do. So they go back, there's 120 of them, Mother Mary's there, then the Holy Spirit, Ruach, in the original language, like wind, can't see it, but you you can feel it. Ruah, the Holy Spirit shows up. And now Peter and John and everybody, they are excited. And then this happens. They're going to prayer time, 9, noon, 3 in the afternoon, you go to the temple for prayer. The 3 o'clock in the afternoon one, God way back in the first book of the Bible, Genesis 15, made a deal with, with Abraham. Father Abraham, you be my people, I'll be God. And when you mess up your part of this, I'll step in and fix it. Jesus died at 3 o'clock. That's as good a fix as you're going to come up with. The prayer, the curtain tore in two. You don't need me to talk to God. That's not my job. You, you and God, he created you. He knows you better than I do. You don't need me to pray. My job is to remind us that this isn't all there is in this life. So as I go talk to the lawyer and you got your stuff going on, the injustice at work, boy, that, that one seems to be a lot, right? At school, something you're trying to accomplish, So look at this. So Peter and John are all excited. They're going to the 3 o'clock prayer time at the temple. Same time Jesus died. We're going roughly, um, I don't know, six weeks after. The same people that killed Jesus are still upset, but Peter and John don't care anymore. Peter ran away when Jesus was uh, killed. Peter's not afraid anymore. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. They're walking into the temple. And there's this guy who can't walk, who his family and friends bring to the temple every day. He's just sitting there. You walk by him on your way in. And the temple, part of their role is to take care of people like, like we do. You send off the money, and I, t- I brought the homeless guy's trash in this morning. I'm not sure why. He didn't have a full sentence to give me of why that was meaningful to him, but for he dumps his trash out front, and I go get it and take it back. I don't know. He thinks I need the steps at my age, you know, with a grandkid and everything. So I don't know why, but that's what he does. That's our relationship, and that's the limit of what I can do for him. But the temple did the same thing. They would make sure people were fed and cared for. So this guy had family and friends. The temple would give him money. But he would sit out front and ask for more. It's an opportunity. People are going to church. Maybe they'll give more. And so he asked Peter and John for some money. And they heal the guy instead. But the process to get there is a little bit fascinating. By the way, what I find most fascinating about this, if this guy's, we find in the next chapter, he is 40 years old. This guy's been brought to the temple every day for 40 years. Jesus has only been gone for about a month and a half. Do you know how many times Jesus walked by this guy and didn't heal him? Hmm. 
So step one, as we're talking about the jerks in your life and mine, it's not that God can't fix it. It's the timing isn't right yet, which I'm just going to be brutally honest, is not my favorite thing about God. God's timing and my timing are off all the time. In hindsight, I see where God was right every single time, but I really have chosen not to learn anything from that and would still like my timing to be at work. So Jesus has walked by this guy, has talked at the temple, the colonnade, many times, and this guy heard Jesus. And it doesn't say this anywhere, but you know at some point Jesus was thinking, I could heal you right now, child of God, and you'd be listed as one more healing. But let's wait a while, because you're going to get your own story in the Bible. So this guy had to go back home that day and not walk, and then be brought the next day and not walk, and go home that night and not walk, over and over again, to set up for this. So Peter and John walk in, he asks for money, verse 4, Peter and John look at him intently, which is unusual because you might give money, but you don't really want the personal contact. And Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. The thing is, to really be helpful to somebody, you've got to be personally involved. Take some of the fun out of it. If you know me, I always have a couple of projects on the side. I got this from my mom and dad. Where we grew up in New York, my mom's side of the family spent a lot of time in jail. Not for big stuff. Well, one was really big. But the rest weren't that big. They were just... Friendly drunks who would forget to pay bills kind of, kind of stuff, right? My mom's side of the family. Ah, we love them. Loves a choice. And somebody would go in, inevitably, we'd start getting phone calls and letters from that person because they knew my mom would be on their side. And they'd get out of jail and that she didn't have to bother with them anymore. It was, it was beautiful. It's a beautiful system. But where we grew up in New York, there was some projects. My mom had one. His name was Walter Yanni. There's a name. And Walter bagged groceries at the grocery store. You ever been to New York? The grocery store is a little different there. You didn't walk. It's not a one-stop shop, right? He was at the four-aisle World War II grocery store. And he would bag the groceries. And he had a speech impediment. And he had some brain damage from when he was born. And my mom had been a defender of Walter Yanni since they were in kindergarten. And other kids would pick on him. And my mom would beat him up. I don't know. If you didn't get to have a New York mom, it's an experience. So by the time I came along in the 1970s, when my mom was in her 40s, other kids would make fun of Walter Yanni. And my brother and I knew that if we didn't defend Walter Yanni, he was more welcome at the dinner table that night than we were. So my friends didn't get to make fun of Walter. And he was a nice guy. It was... It was, it, we were excited he was doing as well as he was. And we didn't get to pick on Walter. So now as an adult, I still do the same thing. I have usually two projects at any given time. There's a lot of people in the world. I can't fix them all, but I'll take on two. And a couple of you uh, know who at least one of them are, right? You, if you hang out with me. And over the years I've done this, and some are wild successes, and some aren't. It was the, one of the biggest flameouts, Midtown. One of the many prisoners who walked in, which is why we're now up here. 
so I took him on as a, as a project. I loved, I loved him. I would say his name, but you can look him up because he sent me a letter. We were already up here when he sent me the letter. He, see if I can get through this without crying. So he sent me the letter saying, I can't do this anymore. I appreciate all you've done for me. And then he did suicide by cop, which I didn't know what it was at the time. And so in northern Arizona, he went and robbed a bank. And sure enough, that's what happened. And so I get this letter in the mail, and I read it. And then I look up, and it was the day before. Sure enough, he had robbed the bank. Huh. That was not what you would call a success. That'd be my biggest disappointment, I think. But in life, we do what, our, what, we, do what we can for other people. I've got a pretty sweet gig. My wife's hot. The kids are great, right? I like my job. You people are all nice. I've got many friends. If you know me well, I think it's an amazing amount of friends that I have, considering I grew up in New York in the 70s. I can be a little harsh. Apparently, I have a grandkid somewhere I don't know about. (laughs) Life is good. So you try to pass that on in part to remind ourselves we've got it so good because otherwise... I can focus on the fact that a kid cracked into me. My neck hurts. My back hurts. The Yankees are in third place. That's about the extent of my complaints, really. But the point is, one of you sitting here this morning, you and your, how old are you, 13? You and your 13-year-old daughter were in an airport in, in Phoenix. So you know life's already off track. And they canceled your flight, and you're trying to get to Vegas, and so you took another passenger who was stranded, and you drove to Las Vegas with some total stranger. I cannot recommend that. (laughs) Me, who helped a guy out who did suicide by cop in northern Arizona, I can't recommend that. I don't know that you should do what I should do, what I do, but, you know, you have to make your own choices. You, you, You nice people, be cautious but we're supposed to be there for each other. This guy shows up every day. Jesus chose not to heal him during Jesus' time here on earth. Peter and John show up. Personally involved, look at us. The man looked up expecting cash, and Peter said, we don't have any money. I can't imagine how crushing that was. This guy has been teased before, even at church. Walter Yanni. So he looks up, look at me, look up. Well, hopefully they said it kindly. Man, that just sounded harsh, didn't it? Look at me. We're talking about discipline versus punishment for parenting today. I think that would fall in the punishment class. They said, look at me with some enthusiasm. He looks up expectantly. And then Peter says, we don't have any money. Well, I don't know what you think I'm here for, pal, but it's not eye contact. And then Peter says, well, what we do have, we'll give you. See, the Holy Spirit didn't show up with bags of coins, which is a little disappointing, I think. We can all agree. The Holy Spirit showed up with power. And so then, so we've met the characters, right? Peter, John, and this guy. Beginning of the movie, beginning of the story. Characters are interesting. It's nice. Now, there's, now the plot kicks in. I think we can all agree We're fine with plot in other people's lives. Can I get an amen? I would like less plot in my life. Peter and John dropped the Holy Spirit power on this guy who couldn't walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the guy by the hand, right, personally involved. 
to really touch someone's heart, you have to give them something they, don't, they can't get on their own. Can you imagine how touched the woman was that you let strangers climb into your very nice car and drive you all the way to Las Vegas? For me, I don't know about you, but the fact that somebody wants to go to Las Vegas is, for me, a red flag. You can't get in my car. Las Vegas, anywhere in California, no. Clearly made some poor choices, and I'm not going to support those. Verse 8, he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Hasn't walked in 40 years. Then, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with him. Can you imagine this guy? Right? His legs are working. He walks in. He's like, wow, this place is nice. No wonder you come in here every day. Now, the 3 o'clock prayer meeting was happening. It's really disruptive to a prayer meeting when someone walks in recently healed. It's like, just sit down. We're, we're, in, we're on page 2. The healings happen on page 4. It's got to be unusual. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the same guy, how do you want to be described in the Bible? How about the lame beggar? I have five older siblings. They've got some descriptions. I'd rather you not hear, but the lame beggar. They had seen so often at the beautiful gates, so a specific place in the temple. You can look it up later. They were absolutely astounded. Wouldn't, wouldn't you be, right? Wow. We've had some healings around here. I had cancer for four and a half days. The, the doctor, we went to see the doctor this week, the one that told me I had cancer. She walked in and said, how are you? And I said, I don't have cancer. She didn't really want to talk about it. <laughs> Look, you're a Tucson doctor. We don't expect you to get things right. Everybody is astounded. And now Peter gets an audience. And Peter's good. He comes up with this impromptu speech. And he points out, you know, the same Jesus the one that fit all the Old Testament descriptions. We said we wanted a Messiah, a Savior, and Jesus checked all the boxes, including where he was born. I mean, it's hard to go back and fix that one. Jesus, who is everything the Old Testament said the Savior would be, who died but didn't stay dead, that Jesus, the one that all, all y'all chose to kill, remember when you were chanting, crucify him, and they did it? That Jesus, it was in the power of that Jesus that we healed this man. The thing is, they liked the healing of Jesus, that love God, love others, fine, it's okay. But what they really wanted was Rome to be sent back because we're still the same. Who's in political power is much more of a concern for us than just trusting God is at work. Jesus kept saying, don't worry about the Italians, just a general rule of life, right? Don't worry about Italians. We're, we're going to focus on the sin. We're going to do the best we can personally and that Jesus is going to die because the sin we can't clean up on our own will get forgiven. We're much more worried about who's in office than our personal relationship with God. Well, same, same 2,000 years ago. So it's a good speech. Jesus is like, or Peter's like, Jesus healed him, ta-da! And all the people are excited, except for the same people that six weeks ago had Jesus killed. Those people, the very same people, they weren't that happy when Jesus was there. They were excited to, to get rid of him for three days. Then he was back, and everybody's talking about it. And now these yahoos are healing people in his name. So they come and have John and Peter arrested. 
And here's a great lesson for us. When you've got the jerks in your life causing trouble, you don't need their approval. Peter was afraid of them before the resurrection, and he ran away. And now that same group is coming after him, and look at Peter's response. They brought in the two disciples, Peter and John, and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Well, if you're going to ask, if you really want to know. Peter had run away before at night, and now in the middle of the day, in front of everybody, he speaks boldly. In, uh, in whose name have you done this? In their culture and in ours, there's power in a name, right? Apple or Android? CNN or Fox? Hate to even bring that one up. Timex or Rolex, right? There's, uh, there's power in a name. William or Harry? Yeah, there you go. So a quick flashback. Jesus said this in Luke. Luke is writing down this part of Acts. He also wrote this part. And when you are brought, when, how about if, and when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. Well, that's interesting because we've spent a lot of time worrying about it. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. Which is really exciting except for that word when. How about if, on the rare occasion, should one of you? No, it's when. You mean we have to deal with jerks? Guaranteed? Yep, that's what it means. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to this group of losers, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Peter just said, so you're upset that this guy's now healthy. Ooh. When you have someone coming after you, to turn it back around, keeping your cool, turn it back around with a question. Oh, that's good. Tough to do. But if we remember that we're a child of God and God is on our side, and win or lose this little battle, we're going to be fine. It's a lot easier to just calm down, listen to what they're saying, what kind of craziness are they saying, and just point it out. They didn't deny the resurrection. They would have if they could have, but they couldn't because people saw Jesus alive after he was dead. So they couldn't deny the resurrection. They couldn't deny the healing. They didn't say, you didn't really heal this guy. What they said was, in whose name or by what power did you do this? And so then Peter asked, so you're upset that he's now healthy? To just keep calm and point out the crazy. It's powerful. Peter said, do you want to know how he was healed? Well, yes, but now we're all nervous. Peter said, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Remember? Remember when you guys killed him and he didn't stay dead? Verse 11, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures, the Old Testament, where it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Oh, they knew Psalm 18. And they didn't want to be associated with the people who were the bad ones in Psalm 18. But Peter just did it. Verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Verse 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. 
You know the number one way to deal with a bully? Is boldness. You can't back down. For they could see that they were ordinary men, fisher people, right? With no special training in the scriptures. They don't even have a degree. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Well, there it is, isn't it? Talk about, to talk about Jesus, you need to know Jesus. So these fishermen from Galilee were doing this incredibly powerful thing. This guy that we've all seen him. We all feel bad. We don't want to look at him. You know, it's just, you know, Dale. He can't walk. Sorry. Here's a dollar. And now he can walk. Huh. So then the group does the next thing that parents do, right? Uh, go to your room. Mom and I have to talk. Maybe you've experienced this at work. Okay, now we need to discuss this. So they sent him out and talked. Verse 16, what should we do with these guys? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign. And everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. Remember, Luke wrote this, but Luke wasn't there. He's talking to the eyewitnesses. This was such a big deal. People remembered it years after. One of the challenges of the early church was when this group, members of this group started joining the church. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the rule keepers, when they started meeting Jesus and joining the early church. Very exciting, but then they wanted to make sure the rules were in shape. Hold on, allergies. There you go. Don't shake my hand, just go for the hug, I guess, is what we just learned there. But when, when the rule keepers, some of us are rule-based, not me personally, but I've met you. I married one that seems to actually know what rules are. Our middle child takes rules as a suggestion, and that's kind of how I view rules. I understand that for some people those are important. We did the parenting thing on rules a couple of, uh, I don't know, like a month or two ago. And the household of the lady doing it has 10 rules. 10 rules? I can't remember 10 rules. How about we've got parking lot rules in our house and go to bed on time. Otherwise, I don't know. It's pretty good. Wear pants. That's not even a rule. I would like it to be a rule. <laughs> it's not. The rule followers would then meet Jesus, and they wanted to go to the rules. Now, rules have a place. Drive on your side of the road. Stop at the stop signs and the stoplights so you don't crash into each other. Those are good rules. But the point isn't the rules. The point is to get somewhere on time or close to it. You know, Tucson, we don't get anywhere on time, but close to it. The rule followers would join the Jesus group, and then they want to bring rules in. They said, calm down, buddy. It's about the relationship first. Verse 17, but to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, the group is talking, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. What's that? It's a logical fallacy when you will dismiss everything. You, you will deny reality in order to embrace your point of view on something. That's where they are. We can see it in each other, but we don't see it in ourselves so much. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Okay, except this guy can walk. 
Why don't you sit down and never walk again? And then we won't mention Jesus. No, when you know about it, you're jumping around. Does it always work out in our timing the way we would like? No. Can you walk up to your non-believing friends and say, you should believe in Jesus, watch this? No. It's not a magic trick. It's a relationship with the creator of the universe. Every week there's a new story about how big the universe is and how it's different than we thought it was. Every week. It's a creator. It's that guy. Well, I don't know if you can refer to God as that guy, but it's the one who created the universe we can have a personal relationship with. No, we don't get to make, treat him like a, like a circus act. So they said, don't talk about Jesus. And Peter and John said, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? When there's trouble, just listen to what the person is saying and try to encapsulate the crazy in a question. Verse 20, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. John is here, and John's still a young guy. When he's 95 years old, he gets exiled onto the island of Patmos. Some of you have been there, middle of the Mediterranean. Well, not the middle, but northern part. And they put him there because the Roman Empire wants him to stop talking about Jesus, but you can't beat up a 95-year-old and feel good about yourself. Can I get an amen? You know, somewhere into their 50s, you can still do it, but at some, you can't beat up old people. And, and feel good about yourself. So you just exile him onto the island of Patmos, and that's where he writes the Gospel of John and the letters of John, 1, 2, 3 John, and the book of Revelation, because he can't stop talking about it. The council then threatened them further. <laughs> Does it sound like something's happened to you at work? But they finally let them go, because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot because everybody saw Jesus was dead, and then he wasn't dead anymore. Everybody saw this guy couldn't walk, and now he can walk. What are you supposed to do? They were more worried about public opinion than who God is as a group whose job was to teach people who God is. Most of the time, when you and I are dealing with someone who's a problem, they're worried about public opinion more than facts. Hmm. So they've got the uh, 40-year-old can walk. They can't deny the resurrection of Jesus because at one point 5,000 people saw Jesus alive after he was dead. They would deny it if they could, but they can't. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Man, it is tough to be against God. We can do it. In fact, periodically, most of us in the room do it occasionally or a lot. But we're going to finish with this. We're talking about plot for this month. And our complaint is, in our life, too much adventure. We need God. We need people around us. But the people around us are difficult, and God doesn't act like we think he should. So at our house... We have the parking lot rules. 14-year-old is on his own. He's going to be out of the house in four years. He can make it his way across the parking lot on his own. But for the 7-year-old, we have parking lot rules. And parking lot rules are when you get out of the car, you have to hold my hand or Madre's hand as we walk along, walk across the parking lot. Because drivers are crazy and little kids are stupid. Can I get an amen? They will just run right in front of the 14-year-old we were reminded this week, 
we were out with friends, and the 14-year-old was, I don't know what he was, three? And all of a sudden, he goes shooting across the parking lot at this restaurant. I thought we were watching him. And all of a sudden, he's outside the fence, outside the gate, and he's running across the parking lot yelling, I fast, I fast. (laughs) And this is why we're not leading the parenting course. (laughs) But the friends that are with us, we were laughing about it this week because mom had sent them a video. It turns out he is. He's running track with his friends. So that invented parking lot rules at our house. So the seven-year-old doesn't yell, I fast, I fast. But see, that's what life is. With the God of the universe, it's the same with the child of God when the Heavenly Father. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, most of us didn't grow up in a real farming community, but I think we got the idea that the, brine, the, the branch has to be attached to the, the vine. The branch has to be attached to the vine in order to thrive. The branch wants to go off on its own. We've got a problem. Jesus said, remain in me. Do not let go. Abide in me. Abide. There's a word for you. Abide. It means we're in this together. We're in this for all of eternity together. It's going to get crazy in this life. Whatever you do, don't attempt to live it alone. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you know we have things going on. We are disappointed in the world around us. Yeah, if we're honest on a regular basis, we're disappointed with ourselves. We don't uh, live up to our own standards, say nothing about your standard. Would you give us the courage to trust that you are who you claim to be, that you are God in sandals, that you died because that pact that was made between humanity and the creator of the universe back in Genesis 15 still stands. We will be your people, and you will be our God. And when, not if, we fall short of the standard, you will be the one who fixes it because we want to remain in you. If there's anybody here today who doesn't have confidence in that relationship, that ABC approach, A is to admit that we fall short. B is to believe Jesus is the one who makes us worthy of the throne room of God. And C is to choose to follow you, to choose to abide with you each and every day. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, and everybody said, amen.